0: Five, four, three,
1: two, one. There is another world that awaits. Far beyond what we can see and feel. A place that's anything but ordinary. Somewhere between apple and parable.
2: What you believe
1: might not be. Step into the zone.
3: From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, I greet you on this Wednesday evening. So good to have you with us. I'm honored to be back in the chair from coast to coast here on Into the Parabnormal. For those new to the show, we are somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. And we can spend another night talking about why the name... But the topic at hand tonight is where we're going to head right now, and we've got a major announcement as well for you at the end of the program, right around 7 Pacific, 10 Eastern for those who are listening live. Is there something that is impacting the orbit of other bodies in our solar system? That's the question I pose to you this evening. There has been a recent flip of Earth's inner core, and I'm wondering whether or not there is a connection to this all. There's a new study from scientists at China's Peking University that makes the case that the swirling ball at the center of Earth's inner core appears to have paused of late and may now be rotating in the opposite direction. Now. You might be wondering, well, how does that affect me down here, you know, at the ground level? Well, it affects you greatly, and we'll get into the reasons for that. But these scientists have been studying data on seismic waves from earthquakes that have been blasting through Earth's inner layers, and their data details these changes in seismic waves across the past six decades— starting with records on quakes in Alaska from the early 1960s up until 2021. And in doing so, they located a section where there was very little change in the data, suggesting that the rotation of the inner core actually paused. It also suggests that this is part of an oscillation that occurs every seven decades or so, As the inner core gradually turns back in the opposite direction. So the question remains. Whether this is part of a cycle. Or whether there is a force at play. A second study actually confirmed this oscillation. And hinted that it could be part of a cycle. But we know that Earth's core influences the planet's magnetic field. Perhaps there's a reason why people have been acting like deranged individuals of late. Maybe there's something to this. Because it does affect us all. Researchers also finding that since the North Magnetic Pole has wandered around 14 Hundred miles since being documented in the early 19th century, and that the study of magnetism we know in Earth's ancient rocks is known as paleomagnetism, and records show that the poles have actually flipped places 183 times in the last 83 billion years, which may not sound like a lot, that's about every 450,000 years on average. But the last one happened uh, about 780,000 years ago. So considering that we are living in unprecedented times, it seems that we might be due. In those past 180 years, the, the strength of Earth's magnetic field has actually decreased by about 10%. So again, we ask, is there something that could be responsible for all of the above? Perhaps a yet-to-be-discovered planet? Something that is highly theoretical, of course, according to mainstream science. But good thing we are not mainstream. And here to discuss this tonight with us is Doug Elwell, a web development consultant by day and seeker of mystery, uh, mysteries in previous unrevealed or forgotten secrets. He possesses master's degrees in both Old Testament biblical studies and marketing communications, allowing him unique insights into the great mysteries hidden in the Hebrew Bible. Over the years, Doug has taken on the mantle of advanced theoretical theologian to help him communicate his insights into what the Old Testament really uh, says in the light of modern science. And he's author of Planet Acts, The Sign of the Son of Man and the End of the Age, Planet X at the Creation, Nativity, and Second Coming. When I told somebody what we were discussing tonight on the program, they asked if we were going to get that all in in two hours, and I said, I'm going to try. So welcome, Doug Elbow, to the program. Thank you. Thank you very much. Planet X, that's something that uh, astronomers have been searching for, right, for what, about a more than a century or so? Yeah, they've been searching for outer planets for well
2: over a century, really many centuries. They discovered uh, Neptune uh, in the late 1800s, I believe, and then Pluto in around 1930 by studying uh, varying plates uh, using what's called a blink comparator, comparing two different photos taken of deep space, one over next to the other, and looking for changes in the background patterns. They finally uh, founded an astronomer named Clyde Tombaugh found found uh, Pluto using that approach back in uh, 1930. But they didn't realize that it wasn't uh, massive enough to account for a planet X-type object. So they actually uh, continued looking. Um, they never did find it using that approach. But when the Voyager probe was passed by uh, Uranus and Neptune, they found them to be kind of a, a disaster area where Uranus was actually on its side, and its uh, moons were spinning in all kinds of directions and angles indicating that it had been interfered with a massive object that apparently entered into our solar system in ancient times same thing with neptune similar situation and in fact uh, the planet pluto once thought to be an independent planet after the voyager information and the data came through it looked like um it was an escaped satellite of planet neptune because its orbit intersected with that of neptune Uh, and its uh, mass and composition was identical to Neptune's other moon, Triton. So they think that uh, uh, Pluto is actually an escaped satellite of of Neptune, which had been ripped out of Neptunian orbit by uh, a massive object uh, anywhere from 3 to 10 times the size of Earth, entering into our solar system uh, from beneath uh, at an angle to the ecliptic, uh, creating a situation where uh, it would actually enter in from beneath and then uh, go above the angle, the angle of the ecliptic where the other planets orbit. Sort of a flat plane where all the planets orbit more or less uh, along that plane. And it also explains why Pluto's orbit—it goes above and below the plane of the ecliptic, because it would have, if it had been torn out of orbit by such a planet, that planet coming in from beneath would have made Pluto go above and below the ecliptic too. And that's exactly what we see. And so, by studying the orbit of Pluto. And its characteristics and Uranus and Neptune, how their uh, tilts, their axial tilts are radically skewed, especially Uranus, which is like uh, 70 plus percent or 70 plus degrees off angle. So its south pole is nearly pointing at the sun right now. They calculated from those anomalies in the outer solar system that planet X is anywhere from three to five times the mass of Earth, possibly larger, came in from beneath the ecliptic, interacted with these planets and has been gradually coming closer and closer to the Sun over a period of many millions of years. Uh, And some who will believe in Zechariah Sitchin's hypothesis that it actually uh, may have approached as close as uh, where the asteroid belt is now. And his theory was that the Earth originally orbited where the asteroid belt is now had a cataclysmic confrontation with one of Planet X's satellites was moved to an orbit closer to the Sun where it is now and planet X now orbits coming in and out of our solar system above and below the plane of the ecliptic every few thousand years, where it enters re-enters into the minds of men and has held a very important, actually a central importance, to the ancient Near Eastern religions, starting with the Sumerians and going all the way to the Greeks and into modern times.
3: So, is there any evidence that such a planet exists i know that in 2015 there a pair of astronomers at at caltech announced some findings a lot of people take issue with that
2: the evidence is in the uh the uh, issues with the uranus and neptune those issues would not exist at all it would require a planet sized object to enter into our solar system from beneath in order to cause those anomalies normally they would norm uh, uh they would form quietly out of the solar uh, nebula. You know, all, all stars form out of a solar nebula. Over time, the uh, uh, gra- through collective gravitation, dust and gases will collect together and form a star. As those dusts and gases fall together, that star, a forming star, the protostar, begins to spin. And that process spins out a huge disk of dust and gases the size of a solar system. And out of that huge disk of dust and gases, planets form. And those planets all have the same characteristics of the parent, that is, they're all at the same angle of the ecliptic, they all formed in the same disk. They're all uh, have uh, angles of ecliptics that are parallel to the disk itself, no significant variations. Uh, but in the outer planets, some of the inner planets have that, but in the outer planets, we have radical differences. And we also have the the satellites of these planets, which appear to have been knocked around like a billiard table, You know, r- roughly speaking. And also the planet Pluto, like I mentioned, could only have been torn out of Neptunian orbit by a massive object uh, that entered into our solar system from beneath. And so uh, a planet X-like object must have existed sometime in the past, at least one. It's the only way to explain these anomalies. And the Caltech astronomers are doing further analysis and finding groupings of uh, OR cloud objects that indicate that they're being affected by sometime in the past or even presently. Of uh, a massive object deep in space somewhere that might be approaching our solar system, and in fact, a lot of the uh, long-period comets, uh, we're finding out in the analysis of these long-period comets that they actually, uh, when you examine the dust of the in the tail of the comet, you actually find out that the dust and gases did not did not originate in the outer solar system they actually originated in the inner solar system indicating they came from possibly original earth as a result of this catastrophic conflict with planet x and i get into that in my book planet x the sign of the son of man and the End of the age how that might have happened if you have a massive object striking earth one of sitchin's hypothesis that there's a satellite one of Planet of satellite striking earth it would have had a cataclysmic effect where a lot of dust gases and water would have been ejected from Earth's mantle. It would have been thrown into orbit around the sun, indicating or explaining why we have comets. And comets, not only comets, but comets that are filled with water. Uh, the only place there is a significant amount of water in the inner solar system is Earth. Uh, so that indicates a, a, an origin point for the early Earth and a cataclysm to help form it, move it to its present position. And so there's a not only is there ample evidence for the existence of planet X, many aspects of the solar system couldn't exist without it.
3: All right, hold that thought. We will continue our conversation in just a moment with uh, Doug Elwell uh, and his website, planet-x.info, where you can get more information. We will come back uh, with more uh, from what he has to say. Our program tonight on Into the Parabnormal, Planet or Planot, will let you be the decider, 503-506-0396, insider outside North America and on Skype at ITP51. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
1: Into the paranormal paranormal
3: talking Planet X. I'm Jeremy Scott speaking with Doug Elwell, his website planet-x.info. And before the break, uh, he made a statement that there are many aspects of the solar system that couldn't actually exist without something like Planet X. So uh, can you expand upon that? Uh, What are we talking about here?
2: Well, I actually put together uh, 10 reasons why Planet X must exist. Uh, it's actually there's very many reasons. For example, uh, the moon is one of classic example. Not many people know this, even though the knowledge has been around for a long time. The moon was actually created as a result of an impactor, roughly the size of Mars, striking Earth at an angle. That an impactor actually impacted deep into its core, and remains there to this day. And so, in fact, the we were talking about the core of the Earth early on. The impact that struck Earth is still there, and the core of the Earth was actually a foreign body injected sometime in Earth's ancient past that created the moon, what had happened and this is a mainstream scientific theory as is Planet X for that matter that that impactor embedded itself so deeply in the Earth it ejected a massive amount of of of, of magma of uh, the, the mantle basically was liquidated and jetted into space as a, as a liquid where it right? formed and solidified into the moon and that process, pretty much all the water was removed, it was just outgassed and evaporated That's why the moon is so dry it is believed that it actually formed from earth's mantle and it matches the mantle's interior in terms of its chemistry and so forth and so the theory is my theory is that uh, per the sitchin's zechariah sitchin's hypothesis that one of the satellites of planet x actually was the impactor and actually struck early earth and the bible actually talks about this how god struck the dragon with a heavenly spear and uh divided her in half and the ancient sumerians actually talked about their and their uh cosmological myth the new elish or the Babylonian creation epic they uh talked about how uh their great god when they named marduk was this great star or planet in the sky which struck uh the goddess tiamat with a heavenly spear and divided her into heaven and earth And heaven was made out of her tail, and earth was actually made out of her head. That's what the ancient Sumerians believe, and there's many cognates in the Bible where it talks about God destroying the heads of the dragons and the waters. I think it's Psalm 74, yeah, and the the ancient, it's called the ancient creation battle uh, myth. The concept in the ancient Near East was that the earth was created as a result of a divine conflict in in heaven, where the great star god of the ancient Near East, variously called Anu, Enlil, uh, Marduk, in the Bible it's called uh, the Lord, Yahweh, however you want to pronounce that. He was like represented by the star or planet in heaven, which conflicted with the earth in most ancient times, divided the earth into heavens and earth. In the Sumerian cosmology, it's divided into earth and in what's called the rakis, uh which is the, translated as the heavenly bracelet, something that was hammered into a bracelet in heaven in uh the hebrew it's called rakia which is cognate to "rockus," and the rakia literally means something that's smashed and broken into pieces and spread across into heaven and together you get an idea that there's a massive amount of broken rocks spread out in the ring in space as a result of this conflict which uh explains perfectly the asteroid but which is exactly that uh, a series of rocks that were smashed and scattered in heavens And recently, uh, astronomers have discovered there's actually a great deal of, of water ice up in the asteroid belt, which wouldn't be there, and this was part of a previous body that had been shattered. And so the evidence is very strong that the asteroid belt was also originated from the early Earth. It could not exist except for the fact that there had been a planet there. That had been shattered and moved somewhere else because there's not enough rocks in the asteroid belt to even create a very small moon. So, hold that
3: thought. Doug Elwell is my guest. Planet or planet? On into the paranormal will continue right after the news.
4: NORMAL NEWS. Are you seeing ghosts or are you just tired? There could be something to the belief that paranormal happenings are more common at night. A study of 8,800 people at the Goldsmiths University of London looked at how sleep deprivation breeds perceptions of ghosts, demons, and aliens. Finding that such beliefs are more common among insomniacs and those who generally get fewer hours of sleep. They say that around two-thirds of those who experience sleep paralysis or lack Loud sounds in their heads were convinced that aliens walk among us. Nearly 60 percent with sleep paralysis said they thought near-death experiences prove that the soul lives on after death. Several previous studies have linked such beliefs to sleep disorders, with some reportedly summoning nefarious spirits called jinn or an evil cat-like witch. The teams say their findings could help diagnose sleep disorders in some believers of the strange. I'm George Henry, Paranormal News.
1: It's called Planet X, and it's about 10 times the mass of Earth.
3: Scientists from the California Institute of Technology have announced that they finally have solid evidence for a Planet X.
1: Not all astronomers are convinced that Planet X exists.
3: There
4: is no credible evidence whatever, for the existence of the
1: This hypothetical planet is what astronomers refer to as planet X. Planet, X. Planet, X. Planet, X. planet X. Don't concentrate too hard, or you might get sucked into a black hole. Into the paranormal.
3: Nationwide, I'm Jeremy Scott. 503-506-0396. Inside or outside North America, and on Skype, it is ITP fifty one. Back to my guest, Doug Elwell. Planet or planet? We're talking about Planet X. It definitely is a controversial subject. It it does challenge the beliefs, and in that case, it fits right into what into the paranormal is all about. Doug, you were talking about uh, water ice in the asteroid belt before we took our our break, and uh, saying that. You know, the asteroid belt, I guess, itself could not exist without a planet being shattered. So when do we believe that that uh, may have happened?
2: Probably Planet X, when it entered into our solar system, made it as far as uh, the area where the asteroid belt is now. That is believed by some who study these sorts of things. Uh, As far as uh, Planet X came into our solar system, it's called as perihelion, or closest approach to the sun. It actually, uh, actually, it's not quite the perihelion. It's actually uh, where it intersects with the solar system currently. The we have one of those section.
3: coming up. Uh, just a side note. Uh, I believe that has happened just a couple of weeks ago. Actually, yes. The perihelion of
2: Planet X or of Earth.
3: Uh, it, that was involving. Uh, that was involving the uh, the Earth uh, approaching the Sun but uh earth has a
2: too. it's uh all the planets have uh elliptical orbits or just very shallow by comparison planet x is very deep uh there's no such thing as a perfect orbit they're all elliptical to some degree and a, a circle is basically an ellipse with zero uh, eccentricity and so earth has a ellipse where places where it's actually closer and farther away from the sun and planet x is the same way but it's much longer and i mentioned uh long period comets previously the reason we have long period comets is there was Planet X-like object must have been in the solar system, which would give its orbital characteristics to these objects and drag them with it out into the outer solar system. That's why some comets actually go outside of our solar system for long periods of time because their orbital paths are marrying that of Planet X, which created them when it conflicted with Earth. And so it's believed by some that Planet X went as close as where the uh, asteroid belt is now. That is where the Earth originally orbited, and then one of its satellites, a gaseous satellite, Sun theorized, kind of softly pushed Earth into a new orbit closer to the Sun. That explains why its orbit is not perfectly circular, like uh, uh, Mercury and Venus. Mercury and Venus's orbits and other characteristics are nearly perfect, exactly how they should have formed. But when you get to Earth and on outwards, and all the outer planets actually, uh, it indicates that all the other planets, including Earth, possibly even Mars, was to some effect affected by Planet X, because they have a lot of eccentricities to them that would not exist unless they've been influenced by one or more external planet-like objects invading our solar system and modifying their axial tilt, rotation rate, orbital path, and so forth. And so, when you say, you know, what's the what's the evidence for Planet X? I say, well, where isn't it? If you actually look at the solar system realistically based on the nebular hypothesis how so things kind of quietly form out of a vast nebula disc and there's they're kind of plain no significant features no as no no uh rings no moons uh no significant geographical features no oceans earth has all of that uranus or er, Mercury and Venus have none of that. They're completely plain and very boring. But Earth is a completely different situation. It's as if someone had uh, sent in uh, an object to hit it at just the right angle, at just the right speed, create exactly the right kind of planet that could support life and then it also moved that planet close to the sun to the exact position where it would be not too hot and not too cold where life could exist right now if we move the earth million miles either way it would either freeze or burn it would be impossible to have life on it the the location of earth currently is so precise that it had to be exact and uh the odds of that happening are virtually nil in terms, even with the vast universe we have, the level of of, de- of balance required for life to exist is absolutely absurd, even by astronomical standards. It's so exact, it's incredible. You have to have a moon of exact size, shape, orbital characteristics. You have to have the rotation rate pretty much exactly as it is now, the axial tilt, um, everything, the distance from the sun, everything has to be very, very precise. And only an intelligent designer, in my opinion, could have done that. And that's why I think that Planet X was used by God to, as kind of a divine billiards player to hit the Earth into the corner pocket or at least a sweet spot in the zone around the sun. So it'd be a perfect place to support life.
3: So again, when do we believe that this planet may have shattered that uh, created the asteroid belt?
2: Very long time ago. We don't know when, but it was probably millions of uh, orbits of Planet X. Planet X's orbit, in my opinion, is actually 2,000 years, based on its last appearance, which I believe was as a star of Bethlehem around the time of Christ. I personally believe that the uh, uh, the Planet X will appear again as a sign of the Son of Man and the end of the age, uh, described in Matthew twenty four thirty, which will precede, which will precede Christ's second coming, just as it preceded Christ's first coming when he was born. The star of Bethlehem was Planet X, and the sign of the Son of Man is Planet X returned 2,000 or so years later to precede his second coming. So we don't know exactly when Planet X invaded our solar system and screwed things up in the outer. Really, all the planets all the way into Earth were affected by it, in my opinion. But we do know how often it orbits pretty, pretty accurately. That is most likely every 2,000 years. Uh, the Bible even says the day of the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years as is this one day. But I think what they're saying is is that it, or the day of the Lord is actually describing the orbit of planet X and how long it takes to orbit. One day and one night. And what that means is the day part of the orbit is when the Earth, planet X is approaching the sun and getting lighter and the night part of the orbit is when it's going away and getting darker. Together you have 2,000 years which comprises the orbit and approximately the same amount of time since... Uh, Christ was born, plus about uh, 20 or so years.
3: Now, you don't reach these conclusions after just a little bit of research. Give the audience an idea of how long you've been researching this and, uh, you know, uh, your your sources and whatnot.
2: I studied, uh, started studying back in 1987, actually, when I was in college. I went to Southern Illinois, and they had a really nice library there. And I'd been searching for signs of the second coming as as a Christian uh, I thought that might be where we're in the end times, and so we should start looking for a heavenly sign, uh, signs of his coming. And I came across a description of a heavenly sign in Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 30, and it says, uh, "The sign, uh, the Son of Man, uh, you know, will precede the second coming, basically, and the, all the tribes of the earth shall mourn when it appears." And so, this is a, a sign in, in the heavens that will, as, as if terrible consequence that the people of the so much they'll be terrified by its appearance. And so not only is it great and heavenly sign, it's something that's a real threat to Earth. And so I looked it up and tried to figure out what were they talking about. And I, I thought about the Star of Bethlehem too. Maybe that was something similar or the same. And so I started studying the Star of Bethlehem concept and the major three theories were a conjunction of planets, a supernova or a comet. And of those three, none of them really fit the description of the star of Bethlehem, which appeared to be an independent object that moved uh, about uh, separate from the background stars, and so it could not have been a supernova. Conjunction of planets happen, and they're interesting, but they happen a lot. They're not particularly special. And the typical description of the conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter, I've seen that. It's not spectacular. It only lasts maybe a day. Uh, the Magi, who have, would have come from Persia, the Magi are actually a class of Persian priests and astrologers that we know actually lived in Persia and they are well identified and well known in history. And that would have been two or three months' journey probably from Persia uh, to, uh, to Israel, at least a few, several weeks at least. And uh, a conjunction of planets only lasts a couple of days and they couldn't have followed that, so that was out. Wow. And so the new Nova doesn't work, the conjunction of planets doesn't work. And comets is the only really good explanation, but comets don't last very long either. And they're also harbingers of disaster. They're not harbingers of the birth of a king. They're harbingers of something bad that's going to happen. And so that wasn't appropriate either. So I felt the only three really good descriptions of what the planet, what the star Bethlehem would have been really didn't work. So I started spreading out my search outside of biblical material. I came across a book by Zechariah's teaching called The Twelfth Planet, where he talked about this mysterious planet X that astronomers were looking for. And so I I realized, you know, this must be it. This answers all the criteria. Another planet in our solar system that comes and goes over long periods of time, coming closer to the the Earth, where it becomes visible, then it goes away again, where it becomes invisible. That would explain why it was invisible 2,000 plus years ago, but now it's totally invisible because it's too far away to see. It might also be screened by lots of dust and gases that, or thrown into space as a result of its conflict with earth that explains why we can't see it is because the massive amount of dust and rocks and all other things around it screens absorbs all the light and screens out any any ability to see it because it's just too cloudy and dark to see the thing until of course it reappears and comes back into the inner solar system when um like comets do. What happens with comets is they, when they approach the inner solar system, the water ice on their surfaces starts to sublimate and goes directly from water ice to uh, a vapor, which then creates a huge tail, which then reflects uh, the sun very effectively. It's a very high albedo, which means a high percentage of the sun is reflected off of the tail. With Otherwise, uh, most uh, comets are blacker than coal. They have this thick, tar-like, um, uh, organic substance on our surfaces, which is basically proteins, which is even darker than coal, makes them impossible to see with normal telescopes until the comet tail appears. And so it will be, I think it will be planet X, which will appear as basically a gigantic comet when it returns. When Jesus said, you know, my second coming will be like a thief in the night, this makes sense because if he's clouded by thick darkness, surrounded by these clouds of dust that it picked up after it collided with Earth or one of its satellites collided with Earth, once that a planet gets close enough to the sun to start the process of sublimation, just like a comet, it'll look like a massive comet, too. And this explains why ancient Near Eastern cosmology, the great god of heaven, Anu, or Enlil, or whoever, which is actually a planet in the heavens, that's what they say in their text, it's actually a planet, too. Um, it has not only one, but two massive cometite wings and a tail. And in my website at planet-x.info, that's planet-x.info. There's a, a symbol that the Sumerians use at the top of the page, which shows you what Planet X looked like. That symbol is actually an actual Sumerian symbol, which was colorized for the, so it looks a little bit nicer. That symbol is an actual Sumerian symbol of the god uh, Enlil or Anu, or also known as a planet in the heavens that they worshipped as the Most High God. That is the actual symbol. That's how Planet X will look when it returns. That central symbol, if you're looking at planet-x.info, is like a a four-pointed star with these wavy lines coming out. Those wavy lines represent water. That's the symbol for water. That means that that's actually water radiating out from that star, and that water fans out and turns those two wings and tail, which would be a massive uh comet-like wings and tail it's so wide that jesus when jesus says matthew 24 you know so so the sign of the uh, the coming of the son of man will be as if lightning comes from the east to the west in other words all the way from one horizon to the other when planet x comes close to the earth it'll be so huge that these wings will literally stretch from horizon to horizon and so much light will be reflected back from the sun that the dark side of the earth will actually be lightened by it and there'll be no light for for maybe weeks or months uh explaining why at the end of the tribulation there's a massive amount of heat on the earth because there's no night anymore because planet x's wings is reflected back the the light of the sun so intensely i think it's one of the old prophets like zechariah said it'll be seven times brighter than the sun so you can imagine this massive amount of clouds covering the entire sky reflecting back the sun on the dark side of the earth so during the day you have the hot sun, and during the night you have seven times hotter sun. In that situation, you couldn't live on the on the earth. One of the bold judgments in the Book of Revelation says the earth will be heated up so much it'll be practically impossible to live, and people had to go underground in order to survive. That's what, and that's why, because Planet X approaching reflects so much light back onto the earth, it literally burns the surface. It might be hard enough to. Literally cook on a, on a sidewalk, and and people will be unable to handle
3: that. Thought my guest, Doug Elwell. We've got to take our mandatory break, but we'll continue with him. Planet or Planet on Into the Paranormal continues. Into the Parabnormal. It's into the paranormal, and yes, I picked up on what he was saying as well. He being Doug Elwell, imagine being cooked maybe to death on a sidewalk. Sometimes these subjects that we talk about, somewhere between abnormal and paranormal, are not the most uplifting. I'd rather know than be caught off guard. Imagine a sun being reflected back into Earth that only gets hotter at night, a situation where it would be. Uh, basically, uninhabitable above ground. Uh, Doug, please continue that depressing thought. <laughs> Sorry about the depressing thought, but it, when Planet X does return, it's a time of
2: judgments. And so it really has to do with the end times and also the creation. The creation of the earth and the end times are pretty to be linked uh, in the Bible. Both are described as being uh, related to a uh, dragon, variously called Leviathan Rahab. Seven headed beasts, and so forth. And so, a lot of people have pointed out that the imagery of Revelation is very similar to the imagery of uh, the Enuma Elish of the Babylonian creation, I think, where God is fighting against a dragon, uh, first of all, to create the earth in the beginning and to reconquer the earth in the end, after the dragon has seemed to revive itself and retake control of the earth. It's about the uh, God versus the dragon combat, is the most common theme between the beginning and the end that repeats itself throughout the Bible. Uh, the Isaiah 27, 1 says, God will defeat Leviathan, Leviathan, that twisting serpent, Leviathan, the dragon in the sea, you know, in the end times. That's what, you know, Leviathan was an ancient uh, mythological dragon known by the Canaanites, uh, who appears up in the Canaanite myths as Lotan. The Canaanites were who lived in ancient Israel before the Israelites moved in from Egypt. Um, and so the idea of the uh, cosmological. Uh, divine conflict in heaven it was common throughout the ancient Near East, uh, ancient Canaan, Babylon, Sumer, Persia, and Egypt. That was the way they thought. That was our cosmology. And all of them had this great heavenly God who lived in heaven, appeared as a star in heaven, and appeared occasionally in heaven to re- reestablish himself with men, bring justice and righteousness to earth, right all wrongs and uh, bring peace and justice to the earth this is what will happen again after the great conflict of the end times there'll be a thousand years of peace and so even though there will be a great time of tribulation after that will be a great a much better time of peace and plenty so much greater the people will forget about the bad times and enjoy a thousand years of peace uh once planet planet x passes by once again judges the earth and destroys god's enemies and also the enemies of men because those who take control of the earth in the end times are not a fan of man. They hate mankind and wish to enslave them. And so God is not attacking and destroying mankind. God is attacking and destroying the enemies of men. Those oligarchs, the servants of Satan, who have taken, who worship demons and allow them to take control of them in order to give them positions of authority over the earth. We're beginning to see this with the Great Reset and that sort of thing. This is the, the beginnings of the end times government. Or mankind's rights will be taken away from them and will be enslaved through technology and uh, uh, the wicked machinations of men. Jesus is actually not coming back to destroy mankind, but to save men from them.
3: Uh, Yeah, just kind of catching my thoughts here. So the size of uh, Planet X, any idea how big this thing could be?
2: It could be anywhere order from 3 to 10 times the mass of Earth. You've heard 10 times on some of the information you've been playing in the background. It could be 7 times. There's a planet 7x theory put forward by one researcher. Uh, 10x is reasonable. I mean, it'll be huge. Um, it, it's it, In order to affect Uranus and Neptune, I suspect Jupiter and Saturn also, it would have to be massive enough to be fairly massive. It's not, not going to take a small object to um affect these planets even Uranus and neptune are very large and to tip uranus almost on its side would require a gigantic object moving at a pretty fast speed uh uh, and pass fairly close to uranus i mean it must have been fairly close to affect it that radically if you look at a picture of uranus uh relative to the rest of the solar system it's really quite startling how messed up it really is it's just it's like um it's like almost like a pin knocked over by a bowling ball. It was that that great. It was like the outer solar system it was like, like a, it's like a disaster zone, relatively speaking, to the relatively orderly inner solar system.
3: All right, hold that thought. We will continue with Doug Elwell, my guest, and he is author of Planet X, The Sign of the Son of Man, and the End of the Age. More on planet or planets on Into the Paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. For exclusive
1: access to all our shows and the chat room, join Podcast Plus Ultimate on Into the Parabnormal's YouTube channel. Either call into the paranormal anywhere in North America and Canada at 503 506
3: 0396. And uh, bit by bit, we are reaching uh, more and more of those corners of the globe. A perfect conversation to be had tonight. In that retrospect, Planet or Planet, we're talking with the author of Planet X, a sign of the Son of Man and the End of the Age. Planet X at the creation, nativity, and second coming. His name, Doug Elwell. His website, planet-x.info. Talking uh, before the break about impacting uh, other planets. And so uh, completing the thought, Doug, this would have to be then something, as you explained, very massive, much bigger than Earth, and uh, moving at quite a clip.
2: Right. Uh, moving at 2,000 miles per hour, uh, like 2,000 years, uh, it actually moves fairly quickly. Particularly when it comes close to perihelion, um it, the Bible actually says the Lord uh, runs like a race in heaven. It actually talks about that, and I think it's Isaiah. It talks about how the Lord runs around in the heavens. It's inaccurately in described as the sun. I think they're actually talking about Planet X orbiting in the heavens, and it, it actually says the Lord runs the race. And he speeds up near the end of that race. It even talks about the track of the bull and so forth, uh, where it talks about, I, I forget the exact verse. He talks about how God actually walks through the heavens and speeds up near the end as he you know, comes to the end of the race. And he walks to the track of the bull, which I think they're talking about its orbital path through Taurus, um, the constellation of Taurus. I think what they're saying there is, and the Bible talks about this. I go into depth this in my book on Planet X about how many of the Bible verses we think are about creation in general are actually specifically about planet X and the movements of the planet and its characteristics. And the Bible seems to indicate that the, uh, it, it passes through the constellation of Taurus and it speeds up as it approaches its closest approach to the sun, just as a planet would do. Because when you uh, a planet approaches its perihelion or closest approach to the sun, it actually speeds up. And so a lot of people don't understand. They they misinterpreted that particular passage describing the sun, but that uh, would actually indicate that uh, uh, the sun revolved around the earth and not vice versa. So a lot of this, these misinterpretations we have in the Bible have to do with bad science, from the King James Version era, which was never fully done away with. And in fact, some people are trying to bring back flat earth. They can believe that, which I just, I just find incredible because uh, it's, it's so irresponsible, in my opinion i think that we need to to dump the old paradigms earth centered paradigms and look at um more of a planet x centered paradigm where planet x was the prime mover in the solar system's formation outside of its original formation and how things have happened in our solar system over time a lot of the eccentricities we see the the ring systems around Saturn, and also jupiter jupiter also has a ring jupiter has a huge amount of of satellites some of which orbit opposite the other ones, Saturn has also lots of eccentricities and also a significant axial tilt, which would not exist if not for the interference of another planet entering into our solar system from beneath. And so uh, astronomers believe that planet orbit. This is uh, Planet X is a mainstream scientific theory. This isn't Internet uh, hokum. This is real science. But there's been a lot of stuff in the Internet uh, uh, speculating about ancient Near Eastern history and Nibiru and stuff like that. But the core concept of Planet X is sound science and so you should think of it in terms of actually existing. Planet X does exist. It's just a question of where is it and is it a threat to Earth? And the evidence in our solar system indicates according to mainstream science that Planet X's orbit has been processing gradually over time, getting closer and closer to the sun and also kind of its orbit also gradually is moving relative to the plane of the ecliptic up and down. So if you look at the solar system from the side, it looks like Planet X's orbit is gradually ticking every time it comes around every 2,000 years, like some kind of great hour hand, you know, ticking towards its final destination. It's actually very interesting. It's like God's clock in the heavens, and Planet X is ticking away 2,000-year increments instead of minutes or or hours towards some final outcome, which is yet future.
3: Wondering if uh, you believe that uh, there's a cycle to this. We, we talked about a cycle earlier, uh, in a different regard. But if Planet X is too far away that you know we can't spot it, uh, is it going to come back around? You think at one point? It comes around every two thousand years, and I believe it'll be coming back fairly soon. Uh,
2: last time I was here, it was uh, it heralded the first coming of Christ at his birth as the star of Bethlehem. If it does have a 2,000-year orbit, it'll be coming back fairly soon, as the sign of the Son of Man mentioned in Matthew 24-30, which is this great heavenly sign in the heavens which precedes Christ's second coming. So and my, my the thesis behind the book is uh, the sign of the Son of Man and the end of the age transcribed in Matthew 24-30 is the same object that preceded Christ's first coming, and 2,000 years later will precede his second coming, and it tell us when he's coming again. So the star of Bethlehem was actually the most recent appearance of planet X, which means it was about 220-something years ago, give or take a few years, or 2,020 years.
3: So then did did planet X create the heavens and the Earth?
2: The heavens and the Earth are actually not uh, the entire universe. That's a mistake in the translation. In my opinion, the heavens and the Earth, heavens actually describes the asteroid belt. Uh, The asteroid belt is and the the rakia as described in um the bible is actually the word for rakia it literally means something has broken into pieces and spread out in, in in this in like a circle it's cognate to the akkadian word rockets which literally means hammered bracelet the concept behind the the firmament is a place of rocks and water that is spread out in heaven in a circle which is a precise description of the asteroid belt and so In my opinion we have a misinterpretation in genesis we're not seeing the creation of the universe we're only seeing the creation of the earth in its present form the description of the creation of the universe is not described actually until john 1 where jesus is described as having created the entire universe you know you know as a fiat declaration god the father actually used jesus the son as the primary tool to create the universe what we see in genesis 1 we don't see the creation of the universe we see only the creation of the Earth in its present form and the inner solar system characteristics like the asteroid belt and also the intrusion of planet X is, is not directly stated, but it's strongly alluded to. Uh, Earth is described as being divided in, into two pieces, heaven and Earth, just as it is in the Babylonian cosmology, the uh, Enuma Elish, which describes uh, Earth being uh Created from the head of the dragon Tiamat, and the heavens being created from her tail, which are twisted into the circle called the derma or the rakia, which literally means a hammered bracelet. And so, the core concept in the ancient Near East and the Bible is not the creation of the universe, it's actually the creation of uh, the Earth and the asteroid belt in its present form as a result of the conflict with planet X. And that is the beginning of Earth history as we understand it today. The implication also is, and some people believe believe this might be the case, there was an earlier Earth and earlier forms of life on this previous Earth, which were totally destroyed by this conflict. In fact, the Hopi, the ancient Hopi Indians believe there was actually uh, four ages of Earth. Uh, one that was destroyed by fire, one that was destroyed by ice, one was destroyed by the Great Flood, and the current fourth one is one we live in today. And so the first one was probably the one that was destroyed by planet X, destroyed by fire. The one destroyed by ice happened when Earth's, uh the north and south poles got mixed up and uh the water the water sloshed around on the onto the continents and froze and created huge icebergs and the earth was you know basically destroyed by those. And the third one was destroyed by the great blood described in the in the Bible also. And so the first the earth has actually probably gone through several versions. Uh, we've those previous ones prior to the creation of the current earth were not talked about because they were not directly relevant to the narrative of genesis which is focusing on the creation of israel genesis and really the entire old testament is about the uh, birth life and and, and distortion of the, of the nation of israel it's there's so much material there it has to focus on that the creation of the universe the cosmology at that level is not discussed it's really about the creation of the earth in the beginning and it's only given one or two chapters if you, the rest of the book of Genesis, all 48 chapters, are mainly concerned about the creation of mankind and uh, the calling of Abraham, the creation of Israel and its history and its early history. And so, uh, in my opinion, I talk about it in my book at length as well. The, uh, the Genesis 1 doesn't talk about the creation of the universe. It talks about the creation of the earth in its present form as a, a planet that used to orbit where the asteroid built is now was struck and, and divided into two pieces by uh, a satellite of planet X, moved into its current orbit closer to the sun where it could better support life. And that is the the stage on which the rest of the divine drama is played out. The, the the creation of the earth itself is more of an afterthought. And really, if you look at it, it's only given one or two chapters, which is, really isn't very much considering how important that is. But I think uh, the, really the Old Testament is really about Israel. And the creation of the earth per se is more of a, an afterthought. Uh, unlike in the Enuma Elish, the Babylonian creation epic, where man is mentioned at the end and most of the book, or most of their creation epic is about the creation of the earth, the battle of the gods and heavens, which are equated with the planets and so forth. And so that uh, I think that's, uh, the creation of the universe per se is not being mentioned. It's actually just the creation of the earth because that's all they need to discuss as the stage and the background for the uh, creation of Israel and its destiny.
3: So if this is accurate and uh, and it is approaching that 2,000-year cycle uh, yet again, do you think there's a relation uh, to the story we had at the beginning of the program of Earth's inner core uh, pausing and now reversing?
2: It's possible there is a cycle that matches with Planet X. It's entering into the inner solar system. It might be affecting the magnetism of the uh, Earth's inner core. I mean, the, the it's a massive object which has a powerful electromagnetic field and that with the other planets might have a grand cycle similar to a clock like i mentioned earlier planet x is like this grand uh, you know two thousand year hand as opposed to hour a minute hand. and every time it enters into the solar system earth is synced up with that entry and it undergoes changes that are in alignment with that change you know jesus refers to the, the bible talks about birth pangs and these changes in Earth's inner core were like a like uh the birthpangs of a baby kicking uh, inside of the mother, and the mother being the Earth, of course. And so we might be seeing the beginning of these birth bangs with the inner core of the earth turning and kicking and making ready for the birth of a new era.
3: all right. We've got a minute until we hit our break. Tell uh, folks where they can uh, pick up the book. Uh, please. Sure. Uh,
2: The main place to go is uh, planet-x.info. That's P-L-A-N-E-T-X.INFO. Click on the big book. That'll take you to the uh, correct link on Amazon.com. You can buy it in print or in uh, Kindle formats. Um, There's also some basic information on that site itself and some links to other interviews I've done and some other basic information about Planet X itself, the summary information and interesting articles about Planet X and Planet 9 from mainstream astronomers. And so if you're not interested in the religious or mythological aspect of Planet X, there's plenty of scientific material that can keep you busy for, for hours.
3: All right. What a uh, what about a connection to the end of days? We know that the doomsday clock is even closer to midnight. We'll ponder that and much more. Planet or Planet on Into the Paranormal, I'm Jeremy Scott. Into the paranormal. the mainstream does talk about what we talk about on the program. We kind of do a fist pump back here at the uh into the paranormal bunker. When I hear things about uh, you know, Planet X and being cooked on the sidewalk and maybe needing to go underground in order to survive, it makes that uh, investment in the bunker so much more, well, Worth it for sure, you know when you've, when you've made an investment to to go underground and in cases like that, and and then who knows, you might need to do it one day. That day could be coming the end of the age or the end of times. So, as far as that's concerned, um, is there a connection to the the end of days and, and Planet X?
2: I would say that Planet X is core to, the, uh, central to the idea of the end of time. It's really about the return of Planet X in a, another catastrophic way. Planet X is referred uh, as return to Earth, near Earth, and has caused its called as before. In fact, 2000 BC, two cycles ago, it appeared in the heavens according to the Sumerian texts. Uh, there was a couple of different uh, what are called lamentation texts, or called the lamentation of the destruction of Sumer and Ur. And another called the Lamentation of the Destruction of Ur. Ur was the great high city of the Ur of the Chaldees. Imagine uh, uh, the Chaldeans are the ancient Sumerians who lived in what is now modern-day Iraq. Imagine if New York, Chicago, L.A. all combined in one was suddenly destroyed. That's what happened when Ur was destroyed, their great capital city. It was destroyed by their god Enlil, who appeared in heaven and threw a great fiery spear down on him and destroyed. Which landed in what is now southeastern Iraq, in the marshlands near the Persian Gulf, and as we, in the 1980s, they actually found a huge asteroid crater in that region. That dated somewhere between 2000 and 3000 BC, indicating that an asteroid has struck around that time. That uh, shortly around about the same time that the lamentation texts were written and the uh, ancient empire of Sumer was destroyed. Sumer was kind of the united states of the ancient world it was a gigantic place so similar in power than to egypt to even and even older than egypt and it was destroyed by this great fiery sphere, which we now know was an asteroid and that is the kind of thing that happens when a planet x comes into it's the inner solar system it actually has a lot of asteroids and comets in its orbital path that it carries along with it and when it passes by the outer planets it a lot of this stuff is torn out of its orbit and slingshotted like buckshot into the inner solar system. And that's when you have cataclysms on Earth. uh The day of the Lord, uh, in that sense, totally means uh, how long Planet X's orbit is, but literally means a day of judgment in the Bible. And the judgments come because when Planet X returns into the inner solar system, these asteroids and comets are passing near earth or even striking it and causing cataclysms thus the the judgment concept which has always been intrinsic to the orbital path of planet x when it returns back into our inner solar system asteroids and comets are more likely to hit earth and therefore the return of planet x is also a time of quote-unquote judgment per se when mankind is punished for their sins and so forth this happened to ancient sumer nothing happened uh, during the time of christ um uh, but after when it's planet X returns again, it would appear it's another time of judgment when many asteroids and comets strike Earth again, as described in the uh, mainly in the uh, trumpet judgments and also in the sixth seal. And this brings us back to your mention of getting underground in a bunker. Uh, there's a passage about the sixth seal. I think yeah, it was it was um, uh, the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men, the chief captains. Uh, hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for great, the great day of his wrath is coming who shall be able to stand. This happens right after uh, a, what sounds like a massive meteor All right, I'm getting
3: used to this new clock so we're almost late for a break but we can hit it if we pause now with Doug Elwell I'm Jeremy Scott on Into the Parabnormal stick with us
4: normal news astronomers have detected a radio signal from our most distant galaxy This is the first time that such a signal has been detected at such a large distance. It's notable considering these signals are harder for radio telescopes to pick up as they become weaker the further away a galaxy is from Earth. A naturally occurring phenomenon called gravitational lensing allows faint signals from afar to be magnified for better detection. The signal was found by researchers in Montreal and India with help of the giant Metrowave radio telescope. It could allow... Allow astronomers to peer into the secrets of the early universe and help understand the composition of galaxies at much greater distances from Earth. I'm George Henry, Paranormal News. So the researchers who first suggested its existence, it's known as Planet 9, but it also goes by another name, one that's been in use for over a century, Planet X.
1: Planet 9 actively flips orbits on their side. The most distant objects all swing out in one direction in a very strange way that shouldn't happen. Did we really find Planet X this time? there is a distant, massive planet on an elongated orbit inclined to the rest of the solar system that is forcing these patterns for these objects in the outer solar system. What's really the truth? Into the paranormal, separating fact from fiction.
3: I'm Jeremy Scott. He's Doug Elwell and author of the book Planet X. The sign of the Son of Man and the end of the age. The website planet-x.info. Digging back into our conversation this evening, we were in the Sumerian text talking about end of times. And uh, what were you saying, uh, Doug, what happens after a meteor shower? I was going to say there's an interesting point. You mentioned that you're going to need to get
2: underground, and you do need to get underground for many reasons, not just Planet X. I would recommend, for survival's sake, if you do get into the tribulation period in the end times, that you actually put together a very deep bunker, reinforced by concrete, maybe dozens of, you could do hundreds of feet on the ground in a cave, that would be better. And the reason is this, in, in Revelation 6, near the end, it says, um, The stars of heaven fill into the earth, even as a fig tree casts her untimely figs, shaken by a mighty wind. In other words, there's not actual stars falling from the sky, but huge amounts of asteroids, and it's causing all kinds of damage all over the Earth. And that's just the beginning of this sort of thing. This is the sixth seal. And the kings of the Earth and the mighty men, the people who are wealthy, are digging deep into the ground to escape these cataclysms, these asteroids. They hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains. That means they're digging underground. And they said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. That throne, I believe, is actually describing Planet X making its first visible appearance uh, to mankind on Earth without the aid of telescopes. (laughs) Excuse me. Is the day of his wrath has come and who shall be able to stand? So the wrath of the Lamb and this planet, and I came to this conclusion that Planet X is actually God's throne by studying some, what I believe is some enciphered information in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3. Jesus gives it away near the end of Revelation 2, where he says, uh, He that overcomes, I will keep and keeps my works to the end, I will give him power over the nations. He shall rule over them with a rod of iron, and I will give him the morning star. Uh, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says of the churches. And he has another mysterious phrase. At the end of Revelation three, which also ends with a statement, "He that has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." This is what's called Hebrew parallelism. When you have an identical statement like this in two different chapters at the end, that means they're making a linkage between what's happening at the end of those chapters. And in the second chapter, he says, "To him who overcomes, grant was to sit with me on my throne, as I am set down with my Father on the throne." So what he's doing, he's linking the morning star with God's throne in heaven here. And then later in Revelation 6, he says, um, let's see which one here it is, Uh, and to the mountains and rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne. And so what I think what they're saying here is that this this throne, which is also a star, or more accurately a planet, is actually God's throne, or maybe some uh, sort of military base that he has in the solar system. I don't know if it's actual throne or a local uh, strong quality he maintains in the solar system who knows what's going on. But it appears to be equated with a star that appears in the heavens. And people see this and are terrified, It, as is described in Matthew 24, 30. And they're saying, we got to dig deep underground and get into bunkers and escape this because we're going to get pummeled by asteroids. We're not going to survive. And so I came to the conclusion that uh, the planet X is actually God's throne because it appears to be enciphered in Revelation 2 and 3 and backed up by uh, other Descriptions in Matthew 24 and at the end of Revelation 6.
3: All right, moving on from the texts uh, to more mainstream opinion, because you mentioned mainstream astronomers and some of the scientific material dealing with this subject. So tell us what's out there.
2: What's out there in terms of mainstream? Right now, we have the original Planet X material put together by folks at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory and places like that where they analyzed all the data brought back from the Voyager probes and came to the conclusion that there was a planet that uh, is anywhere from 3 to 10 times the mass of Earth moving uh, in an elliptical orbit in and out of our solar system, which caused cataclysms of the outer planets and uh, possibly may be uh, affecting objects in the Oort cloud, which is a theoretically vast a uh, collection of icy objects outside of the actual solar system as defined by the outer orbit or the orbit of Neptune. And so that just Planet X brings in uh, comets from the outer solar system into the inner solar system which explains why they have um, such long period orbits because they're actually originating from the outer solar system. My theory is that the comets actually originate from Earth as a result of the catastrophic impact with one of Planet X's satellites. And it dragged them back out with them into Uh, elliptical orbits and uh, maybe a lot of the icy objects were things that it had actually dragged out with it as it passed out into the outer solar system as part of its long period elliptical orbit that's my theory and planet x is believed to be responsible for the anomalies in the outer solar system the existence of the comets and also planet nine research talks about how disturbances in the cloud. Planet I mean a different designation for Planet X. They don't call it Planet X anymore because Pluto is no longer considered to be an independent planet, but it was ripped out of Neptunian orbit by Planet X. And they also wanted to get away from the Planet X hysteria on the internet, so they call it Planet Nine. Technically, it would be correct because Uranus or the planet Neptune would be the eighth planet. If Planet X is just, it would be the ninth planet. And so they call it Planet Nine now and they say there's all kinds of reasons for the existence of Planet Nine, and they believe it only came as close as uh, the orbit of planet Uranus. Uh, I, and Sitchin believe it came as close as the asteroid belt. And in the end times, it might have its orbit so affected it might come even as close as the orbit of Mars or even closer, close enough to cause massive geogravitational effects on the Earth itself rather than simply hurling asteroids at it. It will come close enough to actually have significant gravitational effects on the Earth and electromagnetic effects of the type we might be seeing with the changes in Earth's core, which might be caused by the approach of Planet X as part of a, a regular cycle that's been happening for millions of years.
3: Not to be confused with Nibiru, we're not talking that's not the same thing, right? It is the same thing.
2: But the problem is the Nibiru stuff is non-scientific and full of lots of speculation. Uh, the Sumerians called it Nibiru, which the, literally means the god who crosses over, and or the one who crosses over. And what they're talking about is the orbit of planet X, which crosses over the orbits of the other planets and shepherds them like sheep. And Planet X was seen as sort of the shepherd of the gods and the literal embodiment or the throne of the great high god of all gods. Um, uh, variously called Anu by the Sumerians, Enlil by the Akkadians, Marduk by the Babylonians, Ashur by the Assyrians, and Ahura Mazda by the Persians. It's always been a great high god, symbolized by this great winged disk, as you see on my website at planet-x.info. That's how it looks, and that's how it appears when it approaches the it inner solar system. And the ancients, uh, our ancient ancestors, have been worshiping it as a god literally for thousands of years, and um. And so, even though we should stick to the scientific perspectives to maintain our credibility, it'll be wise to look to our ancestors to see what they saw. And in fact, modern-day astronomers look to ancient tablets and astronomical uh, you know writings of the ancient world because a lot of interesting information about comets and conjunctions is actually written down by the Assyrians, Babylonians, Sumerians. Versions, and that's helped us a lot to understand about how long period coverage come and go, about um, the orbits of the planets. Early uh, estimates of the orbits of Uranus and Neptune were actually helped out by uh, observations during the 16th, 17th, and 18th, early 18th centuries. So even though uh, early accounts aren't reliable, riddled with mythological ideas and just you know silly speculation, as is much of the internet stuff. It's unwise to completely dismiss it because there are nuggets of truth in this information which help us understand and fill out the full concept of Planet X and its role not only in the formation of our solar system but also the evolution of uh, mankind's religions.
3: As far as the uh, theory of Sitchin relating to ancient astronauts and that that could possibly explain human origins which would involve, what, a race of extraterrestrials uh, known as the Anunnaki. Are you a subscriber of that theory? I'm not
2: an, an extraterrestrial person. I believe that mankind was created by intelligent spiritual beings, spirit beings, angels, and uh, or God himself, actually. Some variant types of humanity were created by the fallen angels. So God right was not an
3: extraterrestrial? It's,
2: it's, no, he was a spiritual being who lived at a, lives in a higher dimension. And created man as a, an intelligent designer.
3: Okay, so uh, not, a, th- not a, th- uh, a subscriber of the ancient astronaut theory either?
2: No, I'm not a Sitchinite or an astronaut person. I'm not a Sitchinite. I just thought his idea of, of his interpretation of an M.A. as being uh, describing Planet X interacting with ancient Earth, I believe that was accurate. His interpretation was actually pretty good regarding specifically Planet X and the other planets. I thought the material is interesting, but I don't hold to any of it. I just see it as interesting speculation.
3: Okay, what do you make uh, of of the claims out there that people say, "Oh, I've seen uh, Planet X through a telescope"?
2: They have not seen Planet X through a telescope. It's not visible yet. Um, they've seen a lot of solar flares, sun dogs, interesting anomalies, uh, maybe an asteroid or a comet. Uh, but they have not seen Planet X. Planet X, in my opinion, will not make its appearance until halfway through the tribulation as described in um, uh, Revelation 6, uh, 16, where it'll appear suddenly and become, become a great source of consternation with the people on earth. Just as Jesus, as it says in uh, Matthew 24:30, 30, it, all the tribes of the earth shall mourn. In other words, they'll be terrified about the sudden appearance of Planet X no one had told them about it, and suddenly it's there, and they don't know what to do. And so that's the real threat to, to humanity, not just uh, the appearance of Planet X per se, but the governments of Earth hiding it from us until it's too—you know they can't do it anymore. And so many people will not be prepared that a lot of people will die who could have lived and uh, lived on to the uh, millennial period. It's a very
3: great tragedy
2: that may happen.
3: So explain why you put uh, emphasis on biblical references in your work.
2: Well, as a Christian, my major motivation is to find the description of the second coming of Christ and the signs of his second coming. And so that was the original motivation and continuing motivation to study this subject is to, when it says in Matthew twenty-four thirty, the sign of the Son of the Man uh, and the end of the age, that is the heavenly sign we're looking for to see, you know, what is the sign of your second coming at the end of the age? Just that's what the apostles asked Jesus uh, in uh, Matthew 24, 30. And also I think in Luke says, um, they were up on the Mount, Mount of Olives and looking at the buildings of the temple and uh, the, the disciples asked him, what will be the sign of these things? When will the temple be rebuilt and what will be the sign of thy coming at the end of the age? And he says, take heed that no man deceive you and he says nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. This is basically a summary, Matthew twenty four is a summary of the end times that you can use as a general, you know, shorthand reference to what actually happens, the end times. You know, note, I don't know if you're a Christian or believe in this sort of thing, but the resurrection doesn't happen until the end of that period. So as a result of this and many other reasons in the Bible, I don't believe Christians will be resurrected or raptured until the end, after the seventh trumpet. So that's one point I think is proven by this this by matthew uh, but um it says in matthew 24 27 for as lightning comes out of the east and shines even to the west so Australia also the coming of the son of man be i think what they're actually talking about is that the as we talked about earlier the wings of planet x those giant comet like wings will be so huge it'll actually stretch from horizon to horizon to east and west so jesus is describing not only his coming he's describing the heavenly sign that will proceed is coming which is planet x with this massive comet-like wings and it says right after that the moon will give its light the stars will fall from heaven the powers of the heavens will be shaken that's in matthew 24 to 29 the powers of the heavens are actually the planets and then so basically what they're saying is the powers of the heavens shall be shaken the planets themselves will be moved around in their orbits just as they have been over uh, millions of years' time, as we've seen in the anomalies in the outer solar system, there's going to be additional anomalies happening. And the times where Planet X is passing through the outer solar system into the inner solar system will significantly alter the characteristics of many of the planets, including the giant planets, Jupiter, Saturn, maybe even
3: all right, Mars. gotta go to break. We'll wrap this all up with my guest, Doug Elwell, on Into the Parabnormal, Planet or Planet?
1: Into the
3: Paranormal. Parabnormal. Thinking outside the box about Planet X, about the solar system, and wrapping up our conversation tonight. Uh, Doug, what um, additional anomalies, I believe you mentioned, uh, in the solar system that are still to come, particularly those that could alter uh, events with Jupiter and Saturn and Mars? What should we keep our eye on, so to speak?
2: um if you see uh astronomers talking about strange things happening to jupiter saturn or even mars uh it might be that planet x is quietly stealthily entering into our inner solar system prior to it's actually becoming visible when uh, the uh, solar wind flares its huge solar tails into life also uh there's an there was an interesting uh conjunction back in september 23 i think it was 2017. Um, which is not related, but also indicative of the end times, which many think that was uh, a fulfillment of the uh, description of the uh, Virgin in Revelation 12. Uh, There, The sun was inside of uh, the constellation Virgo, the moon was at its feet, and there was a crown of 12 stars above its head. Three of those stars were actually planets. I think it was Mercury, Venus, and Mars. But, and afterwards, after the conjunction took place, there was a second conjunction with the dragon, dragging the uh, uh one-third of the stars down to the to earth with it i think what it meant there was not a one-third of all the stars in heaven but actually one of the three planets that were in that conjunction and interestingly in december of 2017 uh when the dragon hydra the constellation right next to virgo its tail disappeared beneath the horizon the planet mars also underneath the horizon around the same time and on that day or very similar to it president trump declared jerusalem to be the indivisible capital of israel almost as if on cue that was the time for him to declare that and so uh revelation 12 i invite your listeners and yourself to look this up may have been fulfilled by a conjunction that happened on september 23rd 2017 regarding not only virgo but also the the constellation of hydra the dragon and it's interesting the word hydra the dragon also means water the revelation, the dragon in Revelation, actually not didn't breathe out fire. It actually breathed out water, because this was a water dragon. And so, uh, I think the what they were they were correct in that. That indicates that the end times are upon us. This conjunction indicates that the time of the end is near, and the things that I described with Planet X and other things, the politics, the creation of the Mark of the Beast system, which is obviously the internet, and other stuff like that is being put in place and we may have less than 10 years or even less than five years to get our act together. Otherwise, we're gonna be, a, instead of being a survivor, we're gonna be a statistic. So dig your dig your deep holes, get your bunkers, get your storable food, find your last doubt in the wilderness, get together with some friends and learn survival techniques. If you wanna survive what's coming, whether it's the end times or just a great reset and global catastrophe of a lesser sort, you should be doing this sort of thing all the time, anyway. Learning survival tactics, having a uh, someplace out in the that you can retreat to as a vacation home, or a retreat home in case there's a disaster, a war, or it's actually the end times. And take uh, the Bible seriously. Read Book of Revelation, especially at the end of Matthew 20, especially Matthew 24 and Revelation 6, where I mentioned where you they're describing how you have to dig deep. They are not kidding here. These guys are trying to dig bunkers, maybe hundreds of feet deep. And if you have actual massive asteroids striking the Earth, if you're only 10, 15, 20 feet under the Earth, they're going to get crushed. These guys had are going to have diggings hundreds of feet deep, and even those mightn't be safe from these asteroids. Some of them are truly gigantic. And so, uh, you should take these books seriously. Pray to God, get your soul saved, and prepare for the end. Because I think for approaching that time. Which is not the end of mankind, but a changeover from one administration from the other. There's going to be a fight for control. Satan and his angels, his angels are not going to give up easily. They're going to put right. in a severe fight. And when God returns, there's going to be a battle. But after that, it'll be great peace and joy for.
3: Appreciate you years. coming on the program, Doug. Thanks so much. Thank you. It was good to to have you on on the program. Uh, you know, as we inch closer to the midnight hour, specifically with that doomsday clock. Uh, That has ticked ever so closely, largely because of the uh, conflict between Russia and Ukraine. But there are many other factors as well. And speaking of the midnight hour, for those of you on the East Coast, you are going to get a whole lot more of Into the Parabnormal. Well, the whole world is going to get more of Into the Parabnormal because this program goes nationwide on radio affiliates coast to coast here in just a matter of weeks. So that means... Uh, midnight hour, East Coast time, uh, nine p.m. hour, West Coast time, and more details on that to come. But we're weeknights, friends, late night on into the paranormal. Thanks to your support from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. I'm Jeremy Scott. Good night. God bless.